from AM and FM stations around the country. Welcome to the Small Business Administration award-winning School for Startups Radio, where we talk all things small business and entrepreneurship. Now, here is your host, the guy that believes anyone can be a successful entrepreneur because entrepreneurship is not about creativity, risk, or passion, Jim Beach. Hello, everyone. Welcome to another exciting edition of School for Startups Radio. It's Tuesday, the 21st. Happy Thanksgiving week. I hope you have big plans for later in the week. We have big plans for our show today. First up, we're going to speak with Brendan Darty. He and four doctors from, I believe, UCLA got together to create a nutraceutical company, a sleep better company. You know, one of the companies that has a stress relief and the sleep aid and all of that. But the thing is they're doing it as real doctors with real pharma testing. It's a really cool story. I'm excited to share that with you. After that, the Urban Sandbox founder, Dana Okuyama is with us. A great place to send your kids instead of Facebook. It's a whole new solution for the problem we all have. Where do we let our kids go that is safe online? The Urban Sandbox is a new solution. So two fantastic guests today, and then we are cram-packed for just, it seems, forever. Amazing guests that have already been lined up between now and Christmas. Tomorrow, we're going to talk about venture capital in the Midwest. And then on Thursday, we have our Thanksgiving spectacular 50 reasons to be thankful that you are an entrepreneur in America. It is a annual tradition, just like the parade in New York City. And so we are excited for that. Coming up next week, we're going to talk about legal psychedelics, trucking, an amazing trucking interview. We have the owner of a publishing company. We're going to talk about uh, AI for small businesses. We're going to meet the LinkedIn for creatives. We have an Emmy award winning producer from the survivor series, the founder of the real real and the world's largest recycler of electronic stuff like old TVs, all of that coming up on the show soon. So as I said, we have just got great stuff coming up and appreciate you being with us as always. Remember our thesis. We try to have this run through everything. Creativity is awesome if you're an artist, but if you want to go start a business, copy somebody else. It's just that simple. 93% of businesses are copies, and there's no reason to wait for the lightning bolt moment. Just go find an idea and execute it really well. Risk is awesome if you're a bungee jumper, but for us entrepreneurs, it's not so good. We want to do everything we can to reduce risk. And so we talk about that a lot. We talk about bootstrapping. We talk about ways to reduce the chance that you're going to lose your house because we don't ever want to do that. And then passion is awesome for the church, synagogue, the mosque, the bedroom. But for your business, you just need to like it. And that's a huge distinction. People sit around saying, you know, I'm passionate about woodworking, but I can't make a living at doing it. That's what I would say. But then don't do that. Do something that you can make a lot of money at and then spend more time at woodworking school with the profits from what you're really good at. Anyway, that is what we are all about. Appreciate you being with us. You've got to check out our Thanksgiving show. It is fantastic. And we'll be starting in just a second with Brendan. Startups Radio hopes you will reach out to us if you have any questions or comments, or if you need help with your business at any stage, from concepts to exit. Jim accepts all connections on LinkedIn. He tweets from at Entrepreneur Jim, and he responds to emails at james.beach at att.net. 
Thanks for listening, and we hope you enjoy the show. We are back and still, yes, so very appreciative that you are with us. Thank you, great loyal listeners. Tell a friend about our unique variety here. we got a fantastic guest to start the show with today. Please welcome Brendan Doherty to the show. He is the CEO of MD Bio. It is the doctor's brand. It is a nutraceutical company that deals with primarily sleeplessness, stress, anxiety, chronic pains, aches. They have one product called MD Sleep, which was clinically proven by the largest onshore placebo-controlled sleep study in history. Wow. We'll have to learn about that. And demonstrated, actually demonstrated to improve sleep quality, decrease stress, and make people overall uh, overall have a better well-being. So fantastic. And it works. Brendan, welcome to the show. How are you doing? Thank you, Jim. Appreciate you having me on and, and happy Thanksgiving to all your listeners out there. Oh, thank you. And to you, it's, uh, we got to remember, we have a lot to be thankful for other than our health and all the kids, but you know, just the fact that we live in an entrepreneurial country where we can start our own business and stuff like that, you know? That's right. You, you know, you can start anything and, 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 and build it and scale it. And, and that's kind of the dream here, right? Tell us about MD bio. Yeah. So MD bio founded by four doctors out of the UCLA medical centers. Uh, we're bringing pharmaceutical testing practices to really what is the wild west of the supplement or, or in the industry called the nutraceutical industry. And the reason for it is, is, you know, these, these top surgeons, as they're going post-operative and their patients are coming in, they're seeing a lot of patients come in and say, Hey, look, I'm tired of pharmaceuticals. But what do you recommend, doctor? And from a from a high level doctor's perspective, there's nothing truly on the market that they could recommend from a nutraceutical perspective. Because quite frankly, Jim, none of the products out there, or the vast majority of them, don't have the data like a pharmaceutical does. So therefore, you know, we, we decided over the past four years is why don't we create products in, in really the, the largest demographics. So people with sleeplessness, with chronic pain, with, with stress and anxiety, how we, can we create plant-based medicines that not only treat in our, our therapies for them, but we've got the clinical data backing that. So it can be recommended in the doctor setting. Wow. You know, I have actually looked into this as in terms of starting a business on my own and a guy or, you know, an entrepreneur I know here in town from the Chamber of Commerce and I, we drove up to a factory in North Georgia where they make nutraceuticals. And it was, you know, they were very proud of their cleanliness and their testing, et cetera. And they claimed to be top of practice, you know, top of industry and all of that. But it was a guy in a warehouse in North Georgia. Brenda. That's right. You know, I got to be That's honest, right. a guy in a warehouse driving a pickup truck, you know, and I just, yeah, I, <laughs> I just didn't feel safe or, you know, I, anyway, I didn't obviously didn't get into that business. So the idea that you're coming to me and saying, not only did four doctors put this together, but that it's going through the normal pharma world testing, I'm kind of blown away. Yeah, so, so let me give you some facts here because I, I want to put it into perspective and context because there's there's a really big misconception out there from a consumer perspective, right? And we talk to consumers obviously on a daily basis and patients on a daily basis. And and what most patients believe is that, look, if, if some of these big companies out there, these big supplement companies that have millions and millions of dollars, billions of dollars, right? And they've got these large R&D teams, they would assume that the products that are coming out in the market have been tested, that, that are tested for their efficacy and therefore I'm going to buy whatever brand it is because I, I'm loyal to that brand, but I also believe in that brand, right? But, but the stats don't lie. Over 99% of all nutraceutical products on the market today has never been tested uh, for efficacy. And the, the vast majority of the products that have ever been tested clinically don't show statistical significance. And what I mean by that is that they're not better than a placebo pill. So if you extrapolate that data to the entire market, it's easy to see why a consumer will say, I've tried every sleep supplement on the market. I've tried every anxiety supplement on the market and nothing works. Well, it doesn't work 
because it's all a bunch of placebo, right? It's all a bunch of product out there that's never been tested. And the ones that have really show that it's actually harder than anyone would ever think to create an actually effective therapeutic product. All right. How did you get involved with the four doctors? I got involved with them. I was, I was moved out to the West Coast. They're obviously out of UCLA. And I was doing consulting from an operational perspective. And, and when I moved out to the West Coast, one of the biggest therapeutic uh, um, industries that was obviously coming up was, was the cannabis industry. And in the cannabis industry, you know, that, that market was moving from uh, the black market to the gray market to the white market. And those, those processes of building an actual business, of actually setting the structure in place so that you could pay your taxes, so that you could pay your vendors. Um, and it wasn't just any more cash business. Obviously, that's what was needed in the market. And when I met the doctors, I had this now experience in therapeutic cannabis or therapeutic uh, hemp as well. And it was just about the exact same time they had decided, hey, look, we need to do something about this. You know, we, we have more and more consumers, as I mentioned, or patients that are coming to us saying, what do you recommend? And, and they, they really didn't have anything. And so they had spent the past four years prior to that doing a bunch of research and trying to figure out, okay, how do we go do this? How do we create pharmaceutical methods? And, and is this even viable? And it just serendipitously happened when, when I came into the picture. And so we that's when we, we took off and we, we went and found a, an incredible team of, of, of scientists and, and chemists and, and put together really incredible therapeutic products. But, but again, as I mentioned, that's, that's stage one, right? Stage one is just, is just on paper, putting together uh, formulations that you think are going to work. Then comes the hard part. And this is where the, the failure comes in, you know, across the board is then comes the part of actually running clinical trials and getting those results back after, you know, after a lot of time, money and resources is invested in that. So how do you have the world's largest sleep test of all time? Is that everyone in one room or uh, yeah. it, it involved, I, I'm, sounds like the beginning of a Peter Sellers movie or something, <laughs> a slapstick yeah. gig. It, tell us the truth. Yeah, so so look, we had 620 participants who came through our, our clinical trial. Um, I, I'd like to note now that we just finished a, a, our Calm trial um, on stress and anxiety that had 1,200 participants, our relief trial that had 1,600 participants. But the question is, how do we actually get them, right? And how do we find them? And, and then how do we actually uh, uh, test? And clinical testing has, has morphed and changed as as technology has has evolved and what used to cost millions of dollars to to run a, a clinical test meaning you used to run it with a university uh those types of resource organizations there are now cro's contract research organizations who do this at scale and they're able to go identify across the entire country and recruit on a, on a large scale and so it's called the decentralized trial and so, meaning people are taking these supplements at home. So we will, we'll recruit them. We'll put them into different arms, meaning that they'll either get uh, one of two formulations or they'll get the placebo. Of course, it's double blind. So they don't know what they're getting. The CRO doesn't know what they're shipping out to them. And then uh, it's a four-week study. So every, every couple of days, they'll be sent a survey and you start tracking that data. And as, as obviously digital surveys have gotten better, um, it's, it's allowed these larger scale studies to, to take place, opposed to what used to always have to just be an in-person study. Interesting. Very interesting. Yeah, and, and I'll, let me expand on that because it, it's changed really the model of when, when you get more than, than let, well, if you get 620 participants in, right, the power of that study becomes much greater. Because what you're able to do then is, is uh, you're able to segment that, that data in a, in a much better way. You're able to, to find the power of the data becomes much more great, right? You're able to see that it normalizes out at 620 when you'll see other clinical trials that have maybe 40 participants. But within 40 participants, you don't really get a good section of the, the market, right? So when you have these large-scale trials, you get a really good section of the population. So your data actually uh, is much more powerful when you get those results back. 
Well, I'm on your website right now, and I love the fact that it's got the four doctors pictured several times. Uh, you actually yes. see them, and it talks about being the doctor's brand from the doctor's desk, ask the doctors all over it. Is this online 95% of your sales are through some of the GNC-type stores? Uh, how do you communicate the doctor-ness of this through your marketing? Talk to me about the marketing and uh, sales. Yeah, from, from a brand perspective, it was, you know, obviously our marketing team did a great job and we conveyed the doctors across, you know, all the messaging points of even just the packaging, right? The name of the company is MD, Medical Doctor, MD Bio, the doctor's brand, right? Our, our Each one of our products is MD Sleep, MD Relief, MD Calm. So we're, we're constantly trying to push that message. And what we have found is that kind of what I was talking about before is because there's been such a, a, a gluttony of, of product in the market in the supplement space that just is ineffective, you find consumer sentiment that's been pretty low, right? I've tried everything and nothing has worked. Oh, you have doctors. That's great. But still, I've tried everything. It doesn't matter. Where So we are selling D to C, but where we do see that uh, the brand will begin to take off and, and many brands have come before us to do this method is direct to clinician offices, right? The naturopathic doctor, the chiropractor, the physical therapist, folks who really have an understanding of why clinical trials are so important and why clinical trials run by not just for random doctors, but for top surgeons out of one of the biggest and most reputable medical centers in our country, why that means so much and why they can then back and trust this brand that we've created. Excellent. I love it. And what about the finance piece? Uh, you know, this is an entrepreneurship show, so we're always interested in where'd the money come from? Uh, did the four doctors bootstrap? Did you raise some money? Uh, whatever you're willing and able to share with us, please. Tell us from an entrepreneurial standpoint, how the company was built financially. Yeah. Well, great question. Obviously the doctors had a bit of resources. And so we were able to aggregate some capital from, from the founding team, but also we, we initially went out and, and did a large raise to friends and family and the friends and family of our doctors, of course, were other doctors. And the, the beauty of that is, is our investor base. It has a very good understanding of, of the whole in this whole supplement industry, right? Why that clinical trials of a doctor brand are so important. So we went out and raised a bunch of cash from other doctors who, who really loved that premise because they, they knew they needed it. We're currently in another raise um, as we've invested all of this money, time and resources into our, you know, into clinical trials and, and seeing incredible results. Now it's growth time, right? Now we're out on the, on the pavement. We are, we're selling um, B2B as well as D2C. And that of course takes, takes, takes cash to, to do. I was thinking about it, Jim, being an entrepreneurship podcast, really what is a takeaway, right? Because the education of the supplement market and the nutritional market is, is nice. It, it, hopefully it educates that from a consumer perspective of, oh, there's some misconceptions in the market that potentially need to be educated on and, and should be educated on. But from a from an entrepreneur, if I want to get in the health and wellness space and I want to get in the nutraceutical space, Jim, kind of the story you were saying earlier is, is what should I actually look out for or how should I build from, from day one? And what my recommendation would be is, is really spend the time resources in the early stages, making sure that your product is effective. And of course, I, I'm a advocate for clinical trials. Um, so obviously I'd recommend not only formulating and bringing incredible folks to the table who can do that, but then taking through clinical trials. But the reason why it's so important is because as I mentioned D2C or D2C is a very expensive proposition. Going to get a new customer is very expensive to do. And so if you have a high churn because your product is ineffective, that's a losing business, right? You're going to spend a ton of money acquiring a customer. Your product doesn't work. And so you, they're going to churn pretty quickly. But if you've invested up front a lot of that time, capital, and resources to make sure that your product is incredibly effective, you'll see the lifetime value of that customer for a longer, longer term, which will increase. And now all of a sudden you, you have a profitable business. 
Yes. And how long have you been selling now? You know, we've been selling to our patient population for about the past two years as we've been we've been testing and, and running through it. It's only been about the past four months that, you know, as we gotten we've gotten our clinical trials back on our MD sleep product, now we're into the cell mode. Um, and so it's it's only been about four months. It's early days, but quite frankly, it's it's wonderful days as we, you know, as we see this this therapy um, you know, help patients and, and consumers alike. Right. Well, it seems like it's a very competitive space right now. There's the four hymns advertising on television a lot. Uh, you, I, I, you're not in the ED drugs, I don't think. I didn't see that. I don't think we are not. No, we are not. No. Uh, but you know, they have a stress product and a sleep product as well. Uh, is this becoming an increasingly competitive space now that online distribution is available to so many people that got blocked out of GNC, for example? Incredibly uh, competitive. It's an incredibly competitive space. And, and so because there's, there's thousands and thousands of, let's just use sleep aids on the market, right? Anyone can really start a sleep aid company. You go to a contract manufacturer, Jim, kind of like what you did. Right. They'll give you an off the shelf uh, formulation for very low uh, overhead. There'll be some overhead. You can you can get a bunch of product and then, you know, with AI tools, you can quickly spin up websites and branding and all that stuff. Right. And so everyone started doing that. And the market just got flooded with, with a course, what we call me too products, right? Just another brand who maybe had a slight different marketing uh, method or, or, you know, way that they, they brand their, their product, nothing, no differentiator that was wildly different. And because of that, the market was just flooded. Like I said, with, with nutraceutical and supplement products. Right. But you have a huge, huge value proposition difference and you have something to really fall back on. So, uh, yeah, we, we believe, go ahead, go ahead. We believe so. Yeah, we believe so. Right. Our differentiator, our biggest obviously is that we have, we've passed clinical trials and you don't have to just believe me because I say so, or even our doctors, again, another differentiator, you don't have to believe them because they say so that you should take this product. The, the data speaks for itself. The, the data shows that this is one of the most effective sleep aids ever created. Um, and, and so you, again, that's a differentiator. We've spent the time, the money we've done it. Um, and, and now the consumer can actually trust in a product that works. And again, not cause I say so, but cause there's data behind it. Right. And so what are your plans for the business? What would a home run look like to you and the other founders? Well, we're currently in, you know, four, I, I, I named three products where we're, we're currently in four categories, which are quite frankly, the largest categories from a therapeutic perspective, people with sleeplessness, people with, with pain, folks with, with uh, anxiety and stress and, and immune defense. So those are the four biggest categories that are on the market today. And so for us at Home Run, if, if we just achieve in those four markets and, and build a significant market share, that will be a very profitable, um, you know, we will be a, a household name business. And, and that is what we want to do, not just from a business perspective, but remember, because we're doctor founded, there's a little bit more of, we care about the patient, right? We care about the customer and we care about the patient because a lot of our early patients were the patients of the doctors, right? We're the patients of the four founders and they've spent years, decades, uh, fostering these relationships, being the medical provider for these and the care provider for these patients. So we, we actually need to make sure that our products are effective. And, and, um, and we take that, we take that across the board to consumers, right? So, so if we can, if we can have that doctor mentality, that care for the patient and, and push that to every consumer that comes in and, be, and becomes a customer of MD bio, that's a winning formula for us to really scale the business um, and, and be a household name in, in even just these four categories. We do have plans to, to move beyond the four categories, but quite frankly, Jim, just these four alone is, is a big enough endeavor and, and quite frankly, Mount Everest uh, to, to go scale. Right. What about manufacturing? Uh, obviously there's that little factory in North Georgia. I hope you're not there. Uh, where, 
uh, how's the product get made? So product we, right now we're selling soft gels, right? Um, we sell soft gels really because it's uh, a soft gel is nicely designed to give you the exact dose that we want. Um, so you have repetitive dosing uh, on, on every single pill. Our, our manufacturer historically was was out of Colorado. Um, again, the way that we look for manufacturing is the same way a pharmaceutical company looks for manufacturing. Do they have all the certifications that are needed? Are, do they have the highest standard and highest quality? Do they have quality control that is documented that we can go visit the factory and see that there's repetitive processes in that? So we, we, we do our research. We, we then uh, go and, and find the ones that, quite frankly, don't just try and sell us on, hey, we can do this, but, but you know, have shown effectively, not just to us, but to other agencies that give them the certifications that they are top tier. And that's, that's who, of course, we want to be working with, you know, based on the reputation of our brand. So uh, are you domestic or international? Did you actually find someone? How'd you find somebody to meet those domestic. that you just elucidated? Yeah, we're, we're domestic, right? Um, you know, there, there's supply chain issues. If you start going international, you can definitely go do that. There's lead time issues if you go do that. And quite frankly, you don't have your thumb over the quality when you're really going international. So for us, it made sense. And there's enough really quality um, onshore contract manufacturers that can produce your product um, pretty effectively, actually incredibly effectively um, and precisely. So yeah, we are onshore and we're pretty lucky to have um, advisors who have worked for some of the biggest pharmaceutical companies in the country who also have developed soft gels for the past 25 years. So they give us a really good uh, advice on who to work with and who to, who to probably stay away from. And does this industry eventually consolidate? Uh, you know, so, you know, if you go to MBA school, you learn about the, the normal path of an industry and eventually it consolidates to three. And the standard example would be the automobile industry, the three big American companies. And of course that fell apart anyway, but you, you, there's sort of that path. Is that the ultimate end goal for most of the businesses? Does there eventually become a big, you know, 800 pound gorilla in the, in the space or do the companies just sort of fall away uh, if they don't become successful and everyone ends up with 0.1% market share? What's the, what's the overall industry look like? Yeah, look, I would say that there's already the behemoths in the market, right? There's already the supplement giants that if you go to GNC, you go to your, you know, what are those names? You know, some of the ones that we, we really look at and admire are things like metagenics, um, we look at Thorn. Um, you look at uh, Nature Made by Pharmavite. Um, those are companies that have been around for a while, right? Some of them are more innovative than others. Some are legacy, but they've been able to grow in a bunch of different verticals. Meaning that they've been they've been able to grow in different therapies. And so, what they end up doing, and you know, what potentially the goal is for some a lot of early stage companies is how can I innovate a product line and then go get acquired by one of the big guys. Right? That's usually the path that a lot of early stage supplement companies are seeking. It's very rare that, uh, not just in this industry, but many, that you'll be able to grow to go match one of those larger giants. Right, And so there's, there's exit points along the way. For, from our perspective, you know, we, we, there, there is always the option of, uh, of acquisition, but because of our positioning, because of you know, our, you know, what we have and because of, you know, the resources that we have behind us, the, the goal is to go match one of those larger companies and to be in this for, for quite some time and not just quickly exit as fast as possible. Excellent. Yeah. I didn't really know about the, the behemoths. So thank you for the education. I just don't know this space very well. So. Yeah. One, one example is like, um, you may have heard, maybe not, but the, uh, like Nestle has, has a full lineup, right? And Nestle goes and buys, they have a full supplement arm and they buy things like uh, one of their brands is Pure Encapsulation. They bought for a lot of money. Um, you know, I think it was somewhere around seven years ago. And, and so, of course, these, these multinationals 
have supplement arms and you can go get acquired by some of the larger ones. And then they have a, a portfolio of brands that they own and you kind of run through their distribution and you, you have the, the backing of them. Um, and, and so you'll, you'll see the big multinationals own a bunch and then some brands survive and then some brands consolidate along the way. But to your, to your point, Jim, there's, there's not enough space for everyone in this market. It's a, it's a growing, the health and wellness space in the nutraceutical market is growing. Sleep aids are growing year over year, but more brands are coming in than consumers are buying, right? So, so there will be attrition along the way. And of course the goal is not to be, to be the one that's, that's falling off, but, but to gain that market share. And again, to do that, it always comes back to, is your product effective, right? Is your product effective, um, and and you can you can retain customers and not churn them along the way. Right. Well, it sounds like you've done a great job. I mean, getting the doctors, getting the U.S. manufacturing, getting all of the studies done. It sounds like a home run. So congratulations, and I can't wait to watch you take over the world. Thank you. We're we're excited for the direction of the company. We're excited for where we're going. Of course. Um, and really the past four years, it, you know, if you work on a business, it's very rare that you spend so much time head down and not selling, right? It's so rare that you, you get the, the space to actually spend the capital to do the R and D to, to do things. What is quote unquote, right. The right method. Um, and so now we're excited as a brand, look, we've got products that are effective, not just cause I say it again, but because they're clinically proven. And now we're excited to go gain market share and go talk to customers and, and to be in clinics and to, to help the patient out. So, so it is an exciting time at MD bio and, um, it's a long time coming. How do we find out more? Follow online shop. Brendan, how do we shop shop? You can go to www.shopmdbio.com. Excellent. I appreciate you so much being on and sharing your story and congratulations. Thank you so much, Jim. And we will be right back. Well, that's a, that's, a, that's a wonderful question, actually, Jim. Oh, my gosh. I love the opportunity to do this. Thank you, Jim. Wow, that's, that's, a, that's a great one. You know, that is a phenomenal question. That's a great question, and, and I don't have a great answer. That's a great question. Oh, that is such a loaded question. And that's actually a really good question. School for Startups Radio. We are back, and again, thank you so very much for being with us. I am very excited to introduce my next guest. This is something that really, really tugs at my heart. Please welcome Dana Okuyama. She is the founder of Urban Sandbox. It is a modern day pen pal app and it's designed for a, to be a safe space for students and their parents alike. She is an aspiring API entrepreneur, and so that's going to be really interesting to us. She has lived on four continents, has been in the hyper-competitive world of finance, and she also knows the issues that children can have. Dana, welcome. How are you doing today? I'm doing well. Thank you so much for having me, Jim. Um, I'm uh, honored to be on your show. All right. So tell us about Urban Sandbox. Well, Urban Sandbox, it is a very comprehensive platform that I created for all the students to use. Um, the, the main inspiration, you know, that led me to start Urban Sandbox is really my son. Um, I have um, always wanted my son uh, to become an open-minded individual who is interested in learning different cultures. I want him to have um, the opportunity to get to know people around the world. And back in the days, as you know, um, we, we wrote letters to stay in touch. Um, but in modern days, we use the internet. Um, but unfortunately, uh, after a lot of Googling um, I did in the past, and there was really no platform that made me feel safe for my son to use. And because of that, I just really wanted to create a platform that is safe and easy for students to connect and uh, learn from each other. Um, and so uh, now what's wrong with, sorry to interrupt Dana, what's wrong with 
Facebook or some of the other things. I mean, we know there's tons of problems with that, but they could still <laughs> meet up there. What, what, what's the differentiation you're looking or what would make you run and hide from Facebook? Uh, well, I, I, I won't uh, suggest that, you know, people stay away from Facebook. I'm just saying, I you would. know, Facebook... <laughs> uh, I still think Facebook is a wonderful platform, but when it comes to a lot of the content, a lot of parents actually question whether, you know, the content is safe for um, their kids to use. And then um, it, it, I, I feel the same. That's why I, I don't even have a Facebook um, uh, account anymore. Um, I, I, I use it for my business um, and I would definitely not um, use it for, for my son. And, because of you know the security issue that the current social media have um i just wanted to create a space that's entirely and uh, only dedicated uh, for students and nowadays a lot of parents because of all the in inappropriate content on social media a lot of parents think um, internet um, is dangerous for children but um, I, I feel that, you know, the internet can actually be a very useful tool and it actually can benefit many students globally if it is used correctly. Um, so like I said, um, you know, just creating a platform with a positive and healthy content is very important to us. Um, I guess there's a, another reason that um, sort of give me inspiration is the fact that how expensive tutoring can get um, these days. One of my friends was actually looking for a mass tutor for her kids and the good ones charge $300 per hour, uh, which sounds a little bit um, absurd to me. And I don't know how many parents are willing to pay $300 per hour for mass tutoring, but I'm certainly not uh, one of them. Um, so in my opinion, um, no students should actually be deprived of the opportunity to learn and to have access to quality resources. Um, so I guess that's where, you know, all the ideas start coming together um, and just to create a platform that is fun, informative, accessible, and affordable to for all the students out there. All right. So what are they going to do on the platform? How is it going to be fun? Uh, how is it going to be safe? Uh, and how do the kids meet new people there? So dig in a little bit more and tell us the next level of understanding. Of course. Um, so the platform is called Urban Sandbox, but um, it's a very comprehensive platform. It has a lot of functions. So I actually uh, have a lot of names for it. Um, so first, um, we, we actually collaborate with a lot of educators to provide lessons um, because I do want students to take control of their own learning um, just by browsing and picking a subject that they're interested in. So um, sometimes I call it, you know, uh, for that function, I call it um, the marketplace um, of lessons. And, um, and like, like you asked before, um, how do students stay in touch? And then I have a function built in where students can actually message each other. They can even request to be friends with each other. Um, that's, you know, uh, the function we call it um, a modern day pen pal. Um, so, and, and the third functionality that we have is that students can actually upload their own creations. You know, a lot of students like to share their work and then we want to provide a platform for students to do that be it a picture or a book you know they wrote so we can also call it a showroom of students works um so on the on the on this platform obviously we um besides all of the functionalities i just talked about we also invite successful people to speak to students about how they choose their career paths because a lot of students if uh, let's say they want to be a doctor in the future um, but they don't know how to do that. Um, so we invite, you know, people um, with different professions to actually uh, tell students about um, how to pursue the career that uh, they want um, in the future. And obviously, above all of these, um, parents can supervise their children's activities on Urban Sandbox. So every time... Um, even when they're not together. So every time uh, a kid actually posts something or um, starts chatting with another friend, um, parents will actually receive a notification. So um, we feel, you know, by doing so, parents can feel safe and worry-free. Um, and ultimately, I, I just really would like to see Urban Sandbox become a place that really fosters curious and healthy children who can connect with people from a multitude of backgrounds. Um, so I call it, you know, it's ages, Urban Sandbox. What's your target um, age? 
the target age is a six to 18. Okay. But that's a huge difference. So yes. how do you hit the age appropriate material? You know, how to, how does that get sorted out? Um, so after parents register, they have to select their kids age group and all the contents on the platform are actually separated by age group. So let's say, um, there's a kid who's 14 and then, um, she or he probably won't see the content that's catered towards kids who are six to eight. Okay. And vice versa. And what about the outside? You, you talked about kids posting. There's got to be other content to draw them in too. Where does it come from? The outside or the, the non kid generated stuff, where is it from and what is it about? Um, so the non kids, um, content is really from, uh, um, me and my team. So we work really hard to, you know, interview all the professional, uh, professionals out there. And then, um, and, uh, yeah, we, uh, we need to make sure we, we work really hard to monitor the content and make sure that all the content we bring onto the platform, um, you know, are, are safe for all the kids to use. All right. What would some of it be? What I got kids of every age. So what would they be talking about for eight, 12, 15 year olds? Um, well, I currently have some students who actually write for my platform and, uh, some of them, a, a recent piece from a middle schooler was about Halloween. Um, so she posted a picture of herself and, uh, her friends trick or treating and, uh, wrote a small piece about how her Halloween, um, was, and then how many candies she actually got. Um, so it's really for kids to just, you know, feel freely to post uh, whatever, um, they want. Okay. And the parenting interaction. So you get a notice each time they interact, you said, uh, that would get really annoying. So I don't know if I want that much, much interaction. Is it eight? Can I turn um, off different age interactions or yeah, I get different you, levels you of certain, notification by age perhaps? Um, yes, you, you can certainly, uh, turn them off if you want to. There is a function built in. Okay. Um, yeah. So what are your parenting really rules? Let me, let's digress for a second. What are your parenting computer rules? So we have a room directly off of our kitchen. It could be a dining room, but for us, it's too small for a dining room. And it's, we turned it into the kids room and they have computers and on their own separate desks. So there's no fighting over territory. And then there's a TV and a sofa in the middle and their computers face out so that we can walk through the room and see what they're doing. Um, mm -hmm. and we have time restrictions and, and stuff like that. Uh, what are, mm -hmm. and then they also know that we can see everything they do. We see every text they write and stuff like that. But I got to tell you, I'm kind of tired of watching at this point. I have four kids <laughs> and at this point I'm the kids. Go, I, I've, we've kind of quit to be honest, you know, checking each email and stuff. Um, yeah. What are some of your parenting thoughts for computer world? I mean, um, yeah, it certainly get very, uh, get difficult to watch your kids constantly. And so, you know, the, the app is created for parents and kids to use when they have multiple, um, devices. So even though you, you are not together with your kids, you will still receive the notification, obviously, if you choose to um, receive them. And for me and my household, I'm, I'm pretty free. Um, I do, um, like after my my son finishes schoolwork, he is allowed to do whatever he wants, and um, I I do have like certain restrictions on what apps he can use. So um, yeah, it's it's really that. And then I, I mean, obviously, when he loves using my app, he's posted uh, numerous of pictures of uh, you know um, his drawings or him playing sports. And I I really don't watch him because I I feel safe when especially when he's on my app. And how old yeah, so that's is he? My my son is eight. Okay. I have an eight year old daughter. Yeah. What about uh, <laughs> yeah. like Roblox and stuff like that? Do you let him play those things? I I stay away from video games. Um, because I know uh these days a lot of video games they have chat functions built in and I don't want my, my son to chat with random people. So um yeah, I don't let him play video games. Okay. Yeah. All right. 
let's switch gears now. Talk about the entrepreneurship of Urban Sandbox. So how did you launch? How did you write the code? Uh, where'd you get the money? First customer. Go through an entrepreneurial history lesson for us. Okay. Um, so for me, um, I mean, you mentioned writing the code, a tech space. It's, it's very new to me. I mean, as you probably already know that my background is not in tech nor in education. So both areas are, are new. So when I first started, obviously from a cost, uh, from a budgeting perspective, I tried writing my own code and developing my you know own website. Um, but I found that extremely time consuming um, because I was really developing the platform while having to learn everything from the beginning. Um, so I also created um, curriculums on Urban Sandbox and I think about, you know, what topics would appear interesting to students and how to structure lessons to best, uh, the best is to make them appealing and fun. Um, and then after, you know, um, I failed <laughs> writing my own code and uh, I, I just uh, started looking um, on, you know, app development companies elsewhere and I interviewed a bunch of them and eventually happened to pick one that I, I'm still currently very satisfied with. Um, but um, how did you find going them? Dana, how did you um, interview them and make the selection? What criteria? Well, I really, obviously budgeting is key. And then also I, I wanted to see, um, you know, a range of their works and their reputations online is very important to me. And when I was interviewing them, um, I asked a lot of uh, detailed questions, just trying to see, even though I am not an expert in tech, but I tried to see what kind of knowledge they have. And um, I narrowed it down to three companies and then I got rid of the most expensive one. I got rid of the, 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 the cheapest one too. And so I picked the middle one. Okay. So I guess it's it's not rock hard science, um, yeah. But definitely, I did a lot of research. All right, and what were they hired to build the whole thing? And is it in WordPress or uh, Python? Tell us whatever you can. Keep going with your story. It's, it's um, um, yeah. They are hired to build the whole thing, the the entire app, but as well as the website. So the app is built on. Um, and uh on native um active um and uh yeah so they're still currently uh, making the latest round of update for me okay and when uh can you t do you want to share roughly how much you spent on it uh, uh let me like 25 or a hundred thousand <laughs> or two hundred and fifty thousand or uh um <laughs> um, yeah, I don't want to ask uh, anything that's going to put make you uncomfortable, Dana. But you know, just for other entrepreneurs to know, I'm guessing two hundred and fifty thousand uh, dollars. Well, I actually spent less than that. But okay. obviously, if you want you know good quality of work, sometimes investment is key. Um, you can't expect um, good quality when you're not willing to invest money in it. And then sometimes you know hire hired. Um, the investment higher the return. So, and how long did it take? For uh, it, it took out? me quite. It took me quite a while because I I did start before COVID. I was um, late 2019 when I started everything, um, and unfortunately COVID hit. So, because the company is located in India, 82% uh, of um, the employees are actually affected by. By COVID, um, so the thing got delayed for about another year, um, and didn't really get picked back up until late um, after COVID. So I would say, yeah, it took quite a while. When did it launch? <laughs> um, it officially launched last October. Okay, and how are you doing? Yeah, you have five people, fifty, five hundred, five thousand, <laughs> five billion. I don't have as many as I would like to see, but you know, I got to start somewhere. So right. currently I have a lot of families and friends, you know, who are really supporting me. So I'm hoping the word will get out from here, but, um, it's definitely a first good first step that, um, I'm happy to, uh, to see. And how much does it cost for a family or a kid to join? 
Um, it's very affordable. It only costs five ninety nine dollars um, per month for a kid to join to see, you know, to use the pen pal function to to um, upload their their creations and to chat with friends. But um, if they want to subscribe any teacher's lesson, it will cost um, ten dollars and ninety four cents to subscribe every month. Okay. And yeah, which is a lot better than three hundred dollars. <laughs> I don't remember the uh, teacher saying, lesson detail. What's the detail of the teacher lessons? Well, I have uh, various uh, topics that, um, you know, teachers provide uh, from chess, art history to singing and math. So, yeah, a lot of varieties. Interesting. Chess. Yes. <laughs> well, I'm going to have yes. to get my son um, It's that. a very, yeah, it's a very uh, popular, you know, um, topic right now. <laughs> yeah. All right, so well, I play chess all the time, and I my son was in a chess tournament and did not do well, and so we need to. Oh, that's tough. Uh, you know, he's great at everything else, and the chess is sort of the new thing, and so uh, mm-hmm. you know, he's got to be bad at something. Um, <laughs> so. um, I mean, my my son loves chess. Um, my son loves chess as well. I found the most difficult thing is actually going to those tournaments with uh, with him because. Um, when he comes out with a sad face and you know that he's not doing well, it's really kind of heartbreaking. Yes. There's nothing more heartbreaking yeah. than your children, uh, having failures and such, uh, yes, they get into absolutely. sports, you know, and train so hard and, and then lose. It's just brutal. And then to see them out there yes. crying and, oh, it's just heartbreaking. Oh, yes. Heartbreaking. Yes. Heartbreaking. Yes. So. Absolutely. I've, I've experienced that as well. How does your app help new children find each other? So how do we become friends there? Um, you mean for, for students yes. on my platform? Yes. Okay. So they can actually search each other um, under one search page. And then they will be able to see um, the kids' age and what the kids are interested in, if they speak the same language or if, you know, they speak a language that, you know, um, this kid is particularly wanting to learn. uh, And then they can send a friend's request. Okay. Pretty cool. uh, Normal way. What are your goals then? (laughs) And Also, it seems to me that you're cash flow negative and that you – have spent a lot of money. So is that your personal funds or have you raised money or do you plan on raising money? Do you plan on going out to the community? Tell us a little bit about the financial piece, whatever, again, you're willing to share. Oh, well, currently it's my personal fund. And, um, I, I'm certainly hoping that, um, urban sandbox will become a platform that all parents encourage their students to use. And as it grows, I may, um, seek, you know, outside fundings, um, just to see where, you know, I'm, I'm headed before I decide. Okay. Yeah. Well, Dana, I hope that it works and, uh, I love the idea. So I'm a hundred percent supportive and we'd love to have you back and tell the story as you continue to grow. Thank you very much, Jim. Thanks so much for having me. What is the URL? How do we go and find out more? So um, if you're interested in check out our website, the URL is www.urban-sandbox.com. And on the webpage, you can uh, click the link to download our app on Google and also on Apple. All right. Fantastic. Dana, thank you so much for being with us, and I hope you have a great holiday. Happy Thanksgiving to you and your family. Thank you very much, Jim. Happy holidays to you as well. And we are out of time, but we are back. One more show before the holiday. Have a safe day, everyone. Go shopping. Take care. Go cook some food. Bye now.